no answer. Right? Just people, I have no idea. I don't have an answer to that. It's just when people come to me and they go, again, founder of Megawish, make a movie. I don't know how to make a movie. I have no friggin' idea how to make a movie. But I go, I'm going to accomplish that goal because that's my task. That's my goal. I will see it through no matter what. Welcome back to Young Smart Money with me, your host, Apple Kreider. Today, we are sitting down with Greg Reed. Greg is a speaker. He is an author. He is a filmmaker and somebody who is making massive waves all around being featured in magazines like Entrepreneur, Forbes, Inc., and so many others. Uh, this dude is, is, is an entrepreneur who is really, really changing the game. And in this episode, what Greg's going to dive into is he's going to talk about uh, speaking. He's going to talk about how he got started public speaking because I know that's an area that a lot of you guys are interested in. He's going to break down exactly how he landed his first speaking gigs, um, how he got landed on sort of this like university circuit, and then how he also structures his uh, his speeches, okay? He does it in, in a way that, that I find really fascinating because he doesn't try to plan out an entire like speech at once. Instead, he picks a concept um, and sort of breaks that down into an easily digestible format, and uh, he's sort of gonna take that away and uh, dive a bit deeper into that. He's also gonna talk about how he got started in, in filmmaking, um, kind of just spur of the moment decision. He decided to make a movie that is now uh, potentially on track to be Oscar nominated. Um, and then he's also gonna talk about how he got started writing books um, and how his, his books like The Millionaire Mentor um, actually really, really took off and allowed him to uh, grow this, this sort of brand for himself and his businesses through the power of writing. So without further ado, I'm super stoked to welcome Greg onto the podcast. So I want you guys to sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of Young Smart Money with Greg Reed. All right, Greg, welcome to Young Smart Money. How are you doing today? I am always good. <laughs> that is an answer I like to hear. So, Greg, our listeners heard a bit about you in the intro, but for those of them that aren't exactly familiar with who Greg Reed is and what you're currently doing, give us a quick, like, 60-second snapshot of where you're at right now, and then we're going to sort of work our way back. Yeah, I'm just an author, speaker, filmmaker here in San Diego, California. I've been published now in about 80 books, 45 different languages, and my first major feature films out in the theaters and getting ready to go through uh, all the streaming devices in September. Amazing, man. Well, I'm stoked to dive into all of those things because we got a lot of stuff our listeners are very interested in in the world of um, sort of getting their name out there, getting involved with speaking and all of that good stuff. But where I like to start off all of my interviews um, in a place that you might not have thought about for a while is uh, your middle school and high school years. So I'm curious to hear what Greg Reed was up to um, earlier on in life. Were you getting involved in, in creating things, in, in spreading a message to other people, or, or what were you doing at that time period? No, it was a mess, like just a pure mess. I, I grew up in the main streets of Del Mar, California, a little beach community, a bunch of dope smoking surfer people who just chilled and had a good life. So I was one of that one generation, even though I'm an old guy, I grew up never lacking or wanting or needing. It was kind of a, a quality thing. So it made people go from those you know rags to riches story. I, I've had a very good uh, life and it's absolutely been amazing and I truly appreciate it. But in school... I was a horrible student. Look, I'm a flat out tell everyone I'm going to probably ruin you here. I hate school. I am so anti-establishment guy that you've ever seen in your life. I got a D in English and I almost, I don't know how they graduated me from high school. And it was one of my bucket lists. The last thing out of 80 things 
is to get a PhD because I hate school. <laughs> and last year they gave me an honorary PhD alongside Tonino Lamborghini up on stage. So I got to write that one off the list. <laughs> wow, that is that is that is wild, man. So how did you how did you then transition into sort of the world of creating things, of spreading a message? When did you start um, feeling driven to start start speaking to people, start creating things? I didn't. It found me. It's like anything else. So from age 20 to 40, I only had one job. That's wow. it. I was like one of those guys. I was a corporate guy. And finally, someone taught me something called a success equation. It says, you know, what would you do if you could do it for free? And I go, well, I'd be a teacher, but there's no money in it. And I like my lifestyle. And they go, well, what are you good at? I go, I'm full of shit. I'm the greatest talker in the world. And they go, well, how can you combine your passion for teaching and your talent and do something with it? And I said, hey, I could become one of those motivational speaker author guys. And I sold my business literally the next day. And I went into this because no one ever told me I could. And from there, it just started going and going and going and going. And here we are today. So there wasn't like a lot of thought process behind it. It's one of those things that literally found me. And now I've had the opportunity to impact the lives of millions of people. How awesome is that? <laughs> That's pretty wild, man. So a lot of people, I feel like a lot of people get these these kind of opportunities. A lot of people get made aware of, of the things that are out there, but not a lot of people take action on those. So what made you jump on this opportunity? What made you not just hesitant to be like, well, I like my lifestyle. I like the way I'm living now. I'm just, I'm good here. I don't need to take that risk. I love challenge. You know, it's the whole thing is I love creating. That's it. So like when I do a book, I have this thing called uh, non-attachment. Detachment means you don't give a crap. That's not a good way to live. Mm -hmm. Non-attachment is I go all in, I give it everything I got, and then I release it to the world, but I'm not attached to how it transpires. It's not my job if people like it or don't like it. My job is to do the very best I can. So I love to create all these amazing opportunities, and I birth them, and then see which ones take life. Huh. So talk to us about that, that initial leap where you, where you take the leap, you quit your job. Um, and, All right. And, and, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a, an interesting little tour here, which very few people have ever seen. So I got to turn this right. in this house so you can kind of see. But I think you'll, you'll get a, a kind of a, a, an aha realization of how this stuff really works. By the way, check this out. In uh, September, uh, I, on, I get a star on the Walk of Fame in Las Vegas in front of the uh, Paris Hotel alongside all the biggest uh, kind of celebrities in the world, all for being an author. And again, the whole key to this thing is to work your strengths and you hire your weaknesses. Mm. And I tell you that because it's all going to come into life. So this is the first project I ever did. It was a book called The Millionaire Mentor. And that's the first page I ever wrote. And when you write a book, you do something called a query letter. It says who you are, what's your message, why are you an expert, who's going to read your crap. Well, check this one out. This is kind of cool. This right here are all the 268 rejection letters of all the reasons why no one would ever publish my work because I got a D in English. I can't write. I can't, you know, play me words with friends and win every time. And the whole concept was I didn't let that stop me. I used it as a catapult uh, to move me forward. And I said, I'm not going to let other people tell me what I'm capable of. So I hired ghostwriters and editors who took my words and breathed them into life. And it went on to become this world mega bestseller by accident. And from there, now we are 80 books later in 45 different languages around the world. So 
the bottom line is I share with people is never let other people set your limitations. Huh? So, so what made the difference after like 260 rejections? I mean, what did, what did they see in you or like what made somebody willing to take a chance on you? Well, they said, we'll publish your book. All you have to do is change the title, the beginning, the middle and the end. <laughs> it's so bad. So I hired a ghostwriter. I didn't know what I was doing. So my words would say a boy gets off his ass. He takes his dog outside and he lawn more. He mows lawns, makes money, hits his goals and becomes an entrepreneur. And they took it and said, it was a glorious Sunday afternoon. A young bright-eyed lad took his best friend to meet the new day as the sharp spring, right? That's their job. So what I do is I work my strengths and then I hire my weaknesses. It's funny, when I wanted to be a best-selling author, I went to Barnes & Noble. I bought every best-selling book. I did not want to be a great writing author. I want to be a best-selling author. So I asked those people who did it and said, hey, how did you become a bestseller? And I duplicated those actions and here we are. Huh. So what were some of those actions that you had to take um, in order to get your book in, into the hands of more people and, and hit that bestseller? Well, one, you have to get an agent. So the concept is just like Hollywood. Look, if I went to Steven Spielberg and said, hey, put me in your new movie and I've never been in a play, he's going to tell me to get the hell out of there. But if you have an agent represents that, hey, this is the new up and coming star, you got to get this guy sneak peek that's the way it really works and same thing in the publishing world so as soon as i closed a amazing literary agent he went and negotiated on my behalf but more importantly i understood the power of i didn't have to hold on to everything see everyone says oh to be an author you got to use your own voice and that's all bullshit the bottom line is that you'll never really make it in this world when you're holding on too tight so for myself i had the power to simply let go and say hey this is my message my meaning and then let experts craft them in a way that people would actually want to read it. Yeah, that, that's a really good point because I'll, I'll catch myself micromanaging my team from time to time or like really like not not letting go of the reins when it really would serve me to do so and it ends up just like hurting me. So how have you how have you been able to to let go and then to really just like let things play out without you having to be involved in every single little tiny step of the process? Well, it's interesting. One of my favorite interviews was a guy who invented the cellular phone, uh, Marty Cooper. And I, I was writing a book called Stickability, The Power to Persevere. And he said, stickability has to be parallel with another word called flexibility. He says, if you're not willing to adapt and adjust, you'll get stuck. And he told a story about a spider monkey. He said, a spider monkey is so quick, nimble, you can't catch it in the jungle. He goes, one hunter figured it out. He took a heavy log, drilled a tiny hole, dropped the peanut in, and left at the base of the jungle. The monkey would smell the nut, come down, reach his hand in, grab a hold of the nut, and then his fist becomes so big he can't pull it back out, become anchored to the log. The hunter comes by an hour later, captures the elusive spider monkey. Now, all the monkey has to do is let go, but he thinks that nut's nutrition, it's saving him, so he holds on with dear life. And the question is, are we holding on to our own nut in life? It could be in the form of that micromanaging or fear or guilt or a car or a deal or a girlfriend or whatever. And what we're holding on to and we think is saving us, like the monkey thought the nut was, could also be the thing that's leading to our own demise. Sometimes we have to have the courage to simply let go so we can live to fight another day. Hmm. Do you have any strategies that you use personally to like step back and, and try to get like a view of the bigger picture when you think you might be in a situation where you are maybe holding on too tight or you're just like really ending up pretty narrow-minded in, in, in any situation? No, I've grown up. 
I don't do that anymore. So <laughs> it just comes from time and experience. And the whole thing is I don't have to know everything. I don't have to be the expert. I don't have to be the band leader. Look, I'm the most unfamous guy in my entire industry because I let everyone else have the credit. I don't need to be that guy. And so all these ego people talking about what, you know, how great they are and what they're doing, but they are not even doing anything where my generation, we're actually having so busy creating and doing stuff that we have no time to brag about it because we're actually accomplishing all these amazing things. I mean, it's interesting, you know, when we get out of self, that's where everything happens. You know, this movie I just talked about, it's called Wishman. I interviewed the founder of Make a Wish Foundation. And at the interview, I said, what did you wish for? He says, what do you mean? I go, well, you're the founder of Make a Wish. What did you ask for? And he says, no one asked me. I says, holy crap. I go, I want to be the guy who grants the wish of the founder of Make a Wish. And he says, I just want my story to be told so my grandkids will know I did something cool. So it took six years, millions of dollars, trials and tribulations. And here we are today. We just became Oscar qualified last week. And in another four weeks, we're going to be on all the streaming devices on, you know, Hulu and all that different stuff. And it'll be at all the big box stores. And it's just absolutely amazing because someone had a dream. It wasn't my dream. I just wanted to help that person do it. And in doing so, I realized that a dream of mine came true as well. That's, that's wild. So one thing that I want to touch on that you mentioned is uh, sort of honing in on your strengths and, and, and hiring your weaknesses. When did you, I mean, it sounds like with your ghostwriter, was that like the first time where you really experienced that and really made that realization for yourself? No, I've been doing it quite frankly for many years, even when I was a kid. I mean, the first job I ever had mowing lawns back telling that story, you know, I realized that, look, I would go have a goal. I wanted a bicycle. Well, that's cool. So I would go up and down the neighbors and I'd charge them 10 bucks to mow their lawns. And then I saw other kids were jealous because they wanted money too. So I hired them for five bucks to mow the lawn for me. And next thing you know, I had a whole staff of kids up and down the neighborhood mowing the lawns and I'm making money just supervising. That's the mindset that I've always had. But by helping them get what is important to them, those kids wanted their bicycles or skateboards. Ultimately, I got my goal as well. And it's so funny. I went to Africa a few years ago and I climbed and summited Mount Kilimanjaro. I did not ask some surfer kid here in La Jolla to take me up the mountain. I found the Sherpa that I climbed it 900 times. Wherever they put their boot print, I put my boot print. I follow successful actions of others. That's how I do every single thing in my life. When I wanted to make this movie, I said, all right, who won an Oscar? Who is the top people in the world? And I went and asked them, sat them down and said, teach me, what do I do? And I followed those actions. And I realized that the most successful people are also the most available. Look, when you're a kid and you're in class or, you know, whatever, and there's a line and you jump to the front, you get in trouble. In the grown-up world, you get rewarded. So the whole idea is to literally jump to the front of the line. So I find out who's doing what I want to do, and I go right to the source. When I wanted to be a speaker, man, I said, okay, who's the top guys in the world? And I went right to them. Same thing with every single business thing I do. Hmm. So how do you make those connections as, as a bunch of young people who are listening to this program, how would you talk to them in terms of, of building their network, getting connected with these high level individuals, people who are having success in the areas that they want to have success in? Yeah, it's very complicated. There's this new uh, uh, device out there. It's called Google. Now don't tell anyone about it. Okay. Cause it's a secret. Right. But if you put someone's name in it, it actually pops up with all their contact. And that's what I did. That's my big trick. 
So when you're, I mean, when you're reaching out to people, like what are some strategies to, to sort of stand out from the crowd? Because I mean, a lot of these guys are getting hit up every single day and a lot of the people who are hitting them up aren't getting responses. That's your illusion. No, that's your illusion. So that's the truth that you're telling yourself and that's cool, but that's not the real reality. Look, the, the people that are the most successful are actually have been nothing to do. They're the most available. If you're brand new at something, you're happy-go-lucky, you're fresh, you're cool. If you're at the top of your field, you're happy-go-lucky, you got everyone working for you. If you're in the middle, you're a pain in the ass. You're filled with ego. You're edging God out. So the whole idea is literally I'm giving you the answer. You go to the top of the last. That's all I do. What do you think it's easier? Honestly, to get to the founder of Remax Real Estate Corporation that changed real estate as you know it, or your local real estate president office down the street with 14 secretaries and thinks he's cool driving a Mercedes. It, so the whole idea is just jump to the front of the line. That's all I do every single day. So if I'm on a plane and I'm reading a magazine of string theory or X prize or whatever, I just go right to them. And it's amazing how you'll see is the most successful people are the most available. The one thing I do different though is I don't, waste people's time and I'm always very specific. And so this is the one thing I probably do a little bit different than other people. If I want to sit down with person X and they're amazing, I'll reach out to them. It's called Google. I email them directly and I sit there and say, listen, I'm working on a new project. I want 13.5 minutes of your time from the moment I walk in your desk to the time I leave, I'll start a watch and it will go off in 13 and a half minutes. I'm asking you one question. It's all about stickability, the power to persevere. I'm just looking for your keynote, you know, what it takes to, to not give up. The chance of them doing that is so high because I made it specific. I, they know what they're getting into. But all these idiots out there that email and say, I want to pick your brain, take you to lunch. And so, no one has 0% chance I'm going to hang out with some stranger and give up my meal time and be stuck for three hours with this knucklehead. So I'm very specific of how I ask because that's the way I'd want to be treated. Mm. That's, that's the truth. I mean, if you position yourself as someone who is worth their time um, by, by not wasting their time, I feel like that's going to really show yourself in, in a much better light and really, really convey to them that you are in fact worth their time. Yeah. And you're being specific and you're asking a direct question. Look, everyone wants to help guys. Everyone wants to help. Everyone wants to give back. We just don't want you to bug us. So look at Gary Vee. He's so good. You know, when he answers his questions to the point, if you start asking about his, what he ate for dinner, he's going to knock, he's going to move over. Same thing as all great leaders. We have no time for that. I don't really care what you ate for dinner last night. I don't care about whatever. But if you can come to me and say, hey, look, I'm having a trouble right now, struggling in business with this one little thing. What should I do? I'd love to give you that feedback. Mm. Yeah, that specificity is key. So now I'm, I'm interested in hearing how you uh, got into the speaking world because it sounds like you got started with that book um, that really gained a lot of traction. How how did you then transition into into speaking on stages and spreading your message uh, verbally? Actually, the reverse of what you just said. So what happened is that I was asked to speak at a local college and I did and they liked me and they started passing me around like a joint at a Grateful Dead concert and I started going to all the universities and then some kid came up to me and said you should write a book and I went holy crap I've never read a book that's a great goal and so I went and wrote that book and I just showed you all the trials and tribulations and that's why I wouldn't quit because I go hey never done this before I want to accomplish it and I didn't want to self-publish I didn't want to do it like you know poems about my kitten and my mom liking it I wanted to make sure I could do a real book. So I followed successful actions of other people until I got the results I want. And from there, that book was birthed. And then the talk, it all of it just kind of like goes together. It's kind of interesting. I think on Forbes Inc, 
an entrepreneur last year. I was rated the top 10 speakers in the entire world with all these amazing people and I've had the chance to speak at the Pentagon, the United Nations, you know, all around the world. And it's spectacular because all I do is talk about what I already know. And I don't try to you know, make stuff up or look cool. I say, hey, look, I had a chance to sit down with this amazing cat. Let me tell you what I learned. And that way the audience sees themselves in that situation. Kind of like I just told you about the spider monkey. When I'm doing that, everyone listening, they're thinking about their own spider monkey story. They're not thinking about Greg Reed. That's what a good speaker should do. Hmm. So how would you advise a, a young individual that, that is interested in getting started in, in the world of public speaking? How, how could they get started or, or sort of get their foot in the door? What are some good strategies? Well, I do something called songs and it's kind of so simple, but if you realize a song is usually two and a half, three and a half minutes, that's it. So there's a beginning, middle, hook, end. That's it. That's what a song is. And that's how I speak as well. So I have these little songs. I don't practice a two hour keynote speech. I practice one song at a time and I master each syllable, every word, every single little thing. And then what I do is I stream them together. Let me give you guys an example. Here's a song. One of my favorite interviews, we're just talking about the inventor of the cell phone, but Apple. I just love Apple computers. So I sat down with Steve Wozniak and I said, how did you and Jobs have so much success in your life? By the way, this is one of these songs. And he sits there and says, that's easy. He goes, all we did is we embraced our lack. So what do you mean? He goes, we embrace our lack. We embrace what we did not have. And what are you talking about? He goes, well, when micro processor chips came out, they were so expensive. He goes, we couldn't afford anything. He goes, so Jobs sold his Volkswagen. I sold my calculator. We pulled our money to buy one of these little microchips. He goes, Hewlett Packard would make these machines that go from point A to B with 20 chips. They had all the money of God. He says, so I'd pull away five and I'd get to go from A to B using 15. And then I'd pull away five and go A to B with 10. Finally, I figured out a way to go from A to B using our one chip. He goes, we were not trying to be innovative, cool, slick, aerodynamic. We could afford one chip. By embracing that opportunity rather than running from it, we found the shortest, cleanest path. And by doing that, we changed the way people do personal computing for the rest of the world, for the rest of their life. Now, where could you be in your own business? If you stop looking at something as your greatest obstacle, but it could just be your greatest blessing and opportunity in disguise. Okay, so there you go. So there's a song, right? So I had a beginning, middle, and hook, right? And what happens is I master that. So it's Everyone's, mm, oh, ooh, right, all that stuff. And what happens now, if I go do a speaking engagement, they say, hey, you got an hour to speak. I show up and they go, hey, we're running behind. You got 12 minutes. No problem. I'll just do three songs. Easy. And they sit there and say, hey, guy didn't show up. Plane's late. Can you go extra? I go, sure, I'll do a best of album. And so what happens is I mastered my songs. Hmm. So how, how do you... Well, for you, it seems like you had that connection with that university. How would you advise a, a young person to get those connections or, or find places where they could get on stage and talk to, even if it's only like a couple people for free? What are, what are some places or, or some good ways to, to start doing that? It's unlimited. I mean, the whole idea, again, Google it. You're asking me a question, but I'm not your local town or Google. Google it and sit there and say, I live in... Cowpunk, Missouri, and what's the local meetup group for uh, Fortnite experts? I don't know what your guys' thing is, right? And then what you do is you contact those people and say, hey, I'm the local Fortnite expert. I'd like to come in and do a five-minute talk of what I've learned about this skip jump thing. And then people ask you to come in. That's all it is. Everyone's complicating this crap. Stop. It's so simple. 
And the more that you sit there and self-doubt and make it harder than it is, then it will be hard for you. Look, I expect every single person I reach out to to want to meet with me. That's just my expectation because I'm, that's who I am, I guess. And that's why they probably say yes. But on the same note, the most successful people are the most available. But if you go to the lowest rain on the thank you're saying, what's the smallest little people, then that's what you're going to attract and that's what you're going to get in your life. I don't think that way. So, you know, that, I, that just gets, I don't even want that in my world. So the whole idea is I'm going like, how can I have the greatest message to impact the most amount of people? And that's my mindset. And those are the people I go after. Huh. So how do you, how do you then think about your goals? Because it seems like you are somebody who, who definitely like believes in, in the power of, of thought and, and sort of like thinking about the things that you want to, to focus on that you want to attract into your life. So how do you then, then set these goals or, or set these targets for yourself? It's funny. I was looking to see if I have one of these books, Bob Proctor, you know, you guys know him from the secret. And I wrote a book together called think and grow rich thoughts are things. And we spent three years and we traveled around the world. We met with everyone from, you know, physicists to, uh, you know, Harvard professors. We sat down with the founder of JetBlue, founder of Ugg Boots, all the way to Holocaust survivors to find out how thoughts become realities. And here's our reality. Thoughts are not things. It's a total bullshit. Thoughts are not things. It's only thoughts backed by massive action become things. And what we found out by hanging out with these Harvard guys is that we have about 64,000 thoughts a day. Majority of them are called ants. Automatic negative thoughts. They're the reptilian part of your brain to protect you, to keep you safe. Hmm. And so if thoughts were things then everything would be shit and chaos in our life, but it's not, it's only the things that we take action on. Look, if thoughts were things, I'd be a slice of pizza right now because I'm hungry. Right. But as soon as we're done with this, I get in the car and go to Luigi's and buy a slice of pizza. My thoughts become realities by the actions in which we take. That's the way life really works. So thoughts are not things. It's thoughts backed by action become things. Hmm. So how do you, decide what to focus on because clearly you have a bunch of different pro well a, a few different things you're working on a few different spheres from from filmmaking to speaking to writing how do you decide which of these areas are going to get your thoughts and, and thus your actions as well how, how does that process look for you well first of all those things you just mentioned are they slight the least baby little things in my world i own eight corporations and those are just things i do for fun sure. so that those don't even count right so the main things i run major corporations that's what i do and i focus on things that i know that i'll accomplish and things that i will go forward i have that stick ability but i also have that adaptability chick-fil-a founder uh, i remember true kathy i said how do you create a billion dollar brand and empire and he said stop thinking so much stop planning I go, what? I go, that goes against everything we're taught. He goes, last year you had a lot of plans. I go, yeah. And he goes, how did that work out for you? <laughs> I go, not good. He goes, you'll hit a goal because you're scrappy, but how it came to fruition wasn't as you planned. He goes, here's what you do. If you're on the sofa back there and you want to get to the end of the street, get off your backside and take action and move towards your goal. He goes, a planner is going to plan every step where they're going to pause and take a break. I'm looking for opportunity. Did a kid leave a skateboard or a bicycle out to make my journey short? If I get real lucky, I'll lift my head up and wave a neighbor driving by and hitch a ride to the end of the street. He goes, either way, I'll get to my goal. I just don't care how it has to happen. And that's how I live my life. So all I do is I find something that I'm going to sink my teeth and I say no all day long. People all day come to me, do that. No, no, no. I'm great at no. 
because the whole thing is if it doesn't serve or I don't think I can add value or it's something I can finish, I don't begin it. So what frustrates most of us is that we take on so much crap that we can't do and then we don't do it and then we feel like a failure. So what I do is I say yes to things that I know I can accomplish and I will finish and therefore that's why my success rate is so high. It's just an illusion. Hmm. Very interesting. So how do you keep an eye out for opportunities or how do you decide whether, I mean, I know you said like, if it's, if it's something you can accomplish, if it's something that is going to take you closer to your goal, then, then you do consider saying yes to that. But how do you sort of weed out the things that, that are worth your time and that, that, that are no's? Don't answer. Just people, I have no idea. I don't have an answer to that. Just when people come to me and they go, Again, founder of Megawish, make a movie. I don't know how to make a movie. I have no freaking idea how to make a movie. But I go, I'm going to accomplish that goal because that's my task. That's my goal. I will see it through no matter what. I will commit everything. How it comes out? <laughs> no promises, but I promise you, I will complete that task. And it was so cool. I remember dropping him off at the airport after we did the world premiere, thousands of people and all of the celebrity thing and stuff. And he comes up and he goes, wish granted. That was a great feeling, right? Because you know you did something good. So when people come to me with these ideas and I get that aha, I go, yeah, I like that one. I'm going to do something a little bit different or it challenges me or makes me think a little bit differently, then absolutely I'll take it. Hmm. I like that. I like that a lot. Now, uh, I'm curious as well with, with, with the corporations you're running, with all the things that you're doing, I want to hear more about your, your team building process and, and your process for, for finding good people, attracting good people and, and putting them together. So when, when did you really start scaling up your, your process of, of building a team? Can you walk us through sort of that process from, from those initial like ghostwriters to, to now where you're at? Well, you just walked around. This is where I live, work, thing. I have this really cool place in Carlsbad and there's no one here. This is how I work. So yeah. I have an assistant that comes in twice a week for a couple hours and that's it. Everything else is outsourced. So what happens is I have people all around the world that work on these different businesses that I maintain all from my cellular phone and from my computer in today's marketplace. So I go to the beach and be wherever I want to be. And I've created that perfect life that everyone talked about for myself, but it took years to do. And the whole idea is that I weed out people really fast. There's something that I learned from a book that I did. It's called Wealth Made Easy. I spent years interviewing people worth a hundred million to a billion dollars. And one of the common things that these billionaires do is called CPC, Clues, Patterns, Choices. And what that means is if I go out on a first date and they're 20 minutes late, there's a clue. If I go on the second, third date and they're 20 minutes late, there's a pattern. Now it's a choice, my choice, about accountability and responsibility, whether I deal with it, I adjust it, or I accept it. But they're, it's not their fault. They're just late. And what happens is so many people try to fix people and adapt and stuff like that. That's not the secret of life. So what I do is I do clues, patterns, choices. So if I see someone over here cheated someone in business, and then I see them cheat more people in business, what's the chance that I'm going to go do business with them? None. But I had to learn that the hard way because I would do it. And, oh, it'll be different this time. And then it's not. And then I'm mad at them. It's like being mad at a snake for rattling and then biting your friend. And then you go to pet it. That's your fault. And so the whole thing is until we can have accountability and responsibility and have clues, patterns, choices, that's how I do everything in my life. So I watch those things constantly and that's how I decide who I work with. Huh. That's, that's fascinating. So that's, that's just something you picked up through, through the creation of that book and, and through talking to all those individuals. 
That's how I exactly. And I started doing something too. I, there was a thing called string theory. If you ever watched the Big Bang Theory show, yeah. string theory. Now, the guy who actually created string theory, I sat down with him and he said, the secret of success is to seek counsel and not people's opinions. And I go, what's the difference? He goes, opinion is just based on ignorance, lack of knowledge, inexperience, like everyone you know. <laughs> he goes, counsel is based on wisdom, knowledge, mentorship. Like I told you, people are doing what you want. And he says, if you go to a family friend and say you're going to write a book, they'll talk you out of it because they know what kind of grades he had and they've never done it. If I go to Jack Canfield who wrote Chicken Soup, he's going to say, hey, man, here's what you need to know and give you counsel based on wisdom, knowledge, mentorship. John Schwartz, creator of Strength Theory, said if we would spend our activity only seeking counsel and ignoring people's opinion, that's the day your life would change. So I spend my activity only surround myself with these people. I started this event called Secret Knock. Uh, you've probably heard of it. We're Forbes Inc., Entrepreneur's Top Business Event in the World. It's the craziest event. It costs $3,000 to go, and we will not tell you where it is or who will be there. You have to do a submission, an application just to attend, and that's the way it works. And what happens is I parade all these amazing people have changed the world where you get direct access, no VIP, none of that. Everyone's the same. But imagine being able to have a private Skype with Edward Snowden or with you know, the inventor of all these amazing things and Nobel Peace Prize laureates to movie stars and Oscar winners and all this stuff. And what's cool about it is I believe that literally, just like in life, we jump to the front of the line. So I created Secret Knock so people can literally jump their entire career. Because I guarantee you, whoever's watching this right now, wherever you're at, if you go, hey, I got this invention for, you know, a new clothing line, man, Got to come to this event. You can meet the founder of Ugg Boots, a billion-dollar brand. Boom, learn everything you need to know. Hey, I got an invention. Well, guess what? The guy invented the credit card, Magnetic Strip. He's going to be there. Trillion-dollar enterprise. Come meet this guy, this guy, this guy. And what happens is it cuts your learning curve, just like people did for me. And I've spent time Googling and meeting these people. Now I give people access so they can do it too. Mm. That's, that's, that's amazing, honestly. I mean, yeah, I was looking into that event earlier, and, and, and it just seems so, so wild that that – that y'all are putting on such a crazy event like that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really weird. I just had President Vicente Fox come and, uh, you know, former president of Mexico, and he's on stage. I go, hey, Vicente. I go, we're going to start our interview real slow, and we'll work our way up. He goes, what's up, Greg? I go, well, I understand you're building me a wall. He goes, ah, you son of a... <laughs> and starts going off and telling all the stories of how his best friend, President Bush, back in the day, tried to convince him to go to war with Iraq and how all these different, it's so amazing to just get it right from the people who've done it. Look, you can read it in books, you can see it in TV and CNN, but everything's fake. But if you actually get it right from the source, that's where you get your information. So that's where we started Secret Knock. And I invite everyone that's watching this, go apply. Look, go apply, it's worth going. The, the three grand you'll never remember, five years from now, but you're going to remember all these people you meet in your connections. It is key because it's life changing because it'll change your life. Next. hundred uh, percent. So I'm curious as well, because you've talked a lot about counsel and about, about this event with, with sort of bringing together these, these mentor figures who have been some of the most influential figures in your life, whether they have been in person um, books that you've read, like who are the people that have really impacted you? Well, those are the people I hang out with. So I, I, I yeah. started mastermind groups. So I hang out with those people. So these are the people that I get my information from. Again, I don't ask some neighbor down the street who works at a corporate job to do this stuff because no one can relate. I have to go to people that are getting the results I want. Yeah. Surround yourself with people you have respect for, not people you have 
influence over. I'm gonna say it again. Surround yourself with people you have respect for, not people you have influence over. That's where everything in your paradigm will change. So what I do is I constantly am seeking out people that I respect and saying, hey, here's my situation. Here's what I'm going through. And they'll give me feedback based on non-attachment because they want to help and guide. And that's how I get my daily activity. So my phone is literally, the other day I was trading it in. He goes, here, do you want to clean all your contacts? And I started looking through my contacts, went, holy moly, right? And it was just mesmerizing because all the different people that just, are right there. I got full access. Go ahead. Next question. I'm going to pick up my phone. hundred percent. I mean, that's, that's one of the reasons why I like podcasting so much is because it allows you to connect with some, some really cool individuals and allow them to, to share their message and their story with, with a with the wide audience. With the wide audience. It's, it's funny. Cause again, I'm just pulling up my, uh, my phone right here, by the way, I, I learned this when I was doing uh, wealth made easy right now, we have access on your cell phone, uh, you have the, more access to information and knowledge than President Bill Clinton did as uh, President of the United States of America. That is so insane. How's that for a kind of a crazy little... Uh, <laughs> so, so check those out. These are the people that were in the Rolodex. I mean, I'm just like going through this and you just haven't asked that question. But on this phone, I have Frank Shankwitz, founder of Make-A-Wish, Larry Namer, uh, founder of the E-Network. Judy Missett, founder of Jazzercise, Bill, uh, Brian Smith, founder of Ugg Boots, Rob Angel, founder of Pictionary, Jenny Craig, Jenny Craig, Gene Landrum, Chuck E. Cheese, Chick-fil-A, founder of Showtime, founder of Remax, founder, founder of Paul Mitchell Patron, founder of Narrative TV, founder of the XPRIZE, Apple Computers, WordPress, Constant Contact, JetBlue, TED Talks, and it just keeps going and going. I went, we should auction this off one day. <laughs> Isn't that kind of cool? Oh, that is, that is ridiculous. And, again, and I found all these people from Dogling and from uh, magazines and stuff like that and just reached out to contact. That's the name of the game. Well, Greg, I've got some questions now that I like to ask all of my guests before we wrap up this show. So are you feeling ready for those? Do it. Let's do it. The first of which is what is something that genuinely has you excited right now? what's possible, especially with this film right now, because I have no idea. I mean, just the fact we got Oscar qualified in fall, we start doing begging for nominations. So, I mean, could you even imagine if that comes to life? So right now that's what I'm excited about. Next. Awesome. Uh, do you have any habits that have served you particularly well, either in your uh, lifestyle or your business? Yeah, I do not set alarm clocks. So uh, I just wake up when I feel like it and I go to sleep when I feel like it and I don't schedule anything. Just the fact we even scheduled this in the morning is kind of mesmerizing to me. So the whole idea is that uh, I, I just live my life on my terms, but it took me a while to understand that we are, have the ability and capability to do just that. Hmm. Are you consuming any content right now, whether that's books, audiobooks, podcasts? Yeah, it's interesting. So years ago, there was this uh, old quote that says, readers are leaders. Uh, total bullshit, by the way. It was back a hundred years ago, but it's consumers of great knowledge and information that are leaders. So I am constantly what's called info sponging. The founder of uh, Priceline taught me this. And so the whole idea is that you go on internet and sit there and say, what's something I don't know? And go, well, I don't know anything about Latina hairstyles and makeup. But I'm going to go Google it and find something out. And what happens is I start taking content from everywhere I can and then one day, and no idea where, but I might meet someone on a red carpet and they talk about Latina hair and makeup and go, hey, yeah, you know, I know so-and-so. And all of a sudden, it just changes your vocabulary because all we know is all we know. And if we only put trash magazines in our head, that's all we know. 
<clears throat> you only watch TMZ or you only watch whatever. So the whole thing is I believe in constant uh, flow of information so we can be well-rounded. Hmm. I like that a lot. I, I'll have to start just like, because I, I, yeah, I am very, I'm trying to expand more, but I'm very one dimensional right now. So um, a, a big priority for me has been trying to, to learn a little bit more about, uh, about other things. Obviously, I don't want to be, be a mile wide and an inch deep, um, but I do want to, to have a little bit of, of knowledge in, in areas outside of my, my sort of lane. Well, you know, the old thing about the riches are in the niches, again, I'm not going to go with it. So I disagree. So the whole thing is that I realize that all these great leaders, the billionaires, none of them became billionaires doing what their chosen field of endeavor and their passion and all that. It's all, it's not true. So what happens, they stumbled into something. You go back to the Priceline guy. So one time he was reading an article about rotten fruit. So it was one of these articles about how fruit goes bad and they got to throw it away and how so much money is wasted in all the uh, different restaurants and, and the uh, grocery stores. And then one day he was reading something about, you know, travel and things. And then he was sitting on an airplane one day and they closed the uh, cabin doors and he realized that there was empty seats. And he went, well, that's the ultimate of rotten fruit because it, you can't sell it now. And he went, bing, and that's where Priceline came from. But by having that thought and knowledge outside their own, that's where it happened. And if you go back to even the originator of an ice cream, you know, sandwich or thing, you know, there's a guy said, hey, there's a stick. Hey, there's some ice cream. There's some chocolate. Stick, ice cream, chocolate, boom, and change the world. And if you go back and look at it from Henry Ford to Facebook, look, being first to market in today's world sucks. It's the worst thing in the world. It's always being third, fourth is where you make it. Uh, first to market was great. Then, you know, MySpace and Friendster and all that stuff should be a hit, right? It's just not the real reality. Let other people make those mistakes. So the more that we can adapt and take outside information to ourselves, that's where we can be uh, more experienced when things come our way. Next. Mm, 100%. Well, Greg, man, you've been dropping so much value on the show and I'm extremely grateful. Where can our listeners go if they want to follow up with you, learn more about you um, and all the things that you're working on? Greg S. Reed. Google it. I'll see you later. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a plan. Thanks, Greg. It's been a pleasure. Next time. Bye. Well, y'all, that is a wrap. That's another episode of Young Smart Money in the Books. If you guys enjoyed this episode, I got two quick asks of you really quick. The first of which is if you could leave us a five-star review on iTunes, that would mean the absolute world to me. We're closing in on 200 reviews right now. Um, I read each and every one of those. And if you uh, screenshot it, tag me in your Instagram story, I will be sure to repost that as well. The second thing that I want to ask you is if you guys are interested in starting your own podcast, okay, learning how I was able to take Young Smart Money from the ground up, turn it into a top 100 business podcast in a few short months, I put together this free training that I'm, I'm giving away to people, basically teaching you the secrets to podcasting, the stuff that other people aren't really talking about. Like you can find videos online of like the best podcasting setup or like the best podcasting gear, but no one's really talking about how to land big guests, how to network with influencers, how to actually monetize your show. So I want to put together a free training uh, for that. If you guys are interested, the link will be in the show notes for this episode. Otherwise, you can go to applecriter.com slash podcast. That's applecriter.com slash podcast and check out that absolutely free training that I put together for y'all to uh, get yourself educated in the world of podcasting because that's something that I'm really passionate about so I want to teach others but guys that's gonna wrap it up for the show don't want to waste too much of your time I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your day wherever it leads you and I'm glad you chose to spend this last hour here on Young Smart Money.